Welcome to the Solent Shipping Podcast, your weekly shipping news and market recap, with your hosts, George Day and Andrea Iguera. Welcome to the Solent Shipping Podcast, guys. So, as usual, today I'm with George. George, what's up? Hello. How are you? Fine. Fine, you know, all the stuff, all the day at home. Like, all the episodes, I say always the same stuff, but, you know, yeah. it's actually what I do all the day, just studying, and this morning get prepared for the for the episode. And, uh, you know, and you, what are you doing? Um, yeah, I finished, well, we finished our last assignment, haven't we? For, for mm-hmm. the... Well, not the last assignment, but you know, the mm-hmm. last of the first three. Um, I think I've got to pop down to my boat today and have a little bit of a check on it. Um, okay. But other than that, not a lot. I'm doing some work on a. I've got an old, um, an old lifeboat converted into a kind of like a day motorboat. It was mm-hmm. an old, uh, old Icelandic vessel, general mm-hmm. cargo ship uh, called Tungafoss, which sank off of uh, off of Land's End. Uh, back in the 80s, 1981, and um, basically someone had bought the lifeboat that they used to get the guys off, and um, it got turned into a little fishing boat, and I got it as a little kind of day motorboat, which I'm kind of semi-restoring, doing some work on. Mm-hmm. How many feet does it long? Uh, it's only about 19 feet. All right. Huh. It's kind of long. Yeah. So um, today we are going to talk about, you know, the uh, unfortunate Ocean and Network Express uh, container fault. Um, actually, I suffered its second container collapse in less than a month with a significant number of containers lost overboard. Uh, it was something like 1,900 containers lost, isn't it? Yeah, it's a significant number, isn't significant. it? Significant. It's the first time in the history with this huge amount of container lost uh, just in one journey, you know. So uh, the vessel was a route from China to Long Beach. So and uh, it encountered a storm cell producing gale force winds. And basically it lost uh, most of the cargo, uh, sorry, most of the cargo, most of the containers lost uh, was in that uh, in that moment. Uh, yeah, because the, the the container ship swells a little bit so and uh, roll heavily causing the containers to dislodge and fall into the ocean so what do you think about this event unfortunate event uh what were you, were you telling me just a minute ago that this is higher than the uh than the average for the last five years in one yes single... much yeah. higher just in one in one shot you know yeah this is this is, i think that really identifies the issue there isn't it i think Generally, all-round safety is getting better, and there's been significant improvements in operations and safety. Mm-hmm. But the, the you know the risk with one one incident on a much larger vessel, and you you get a massive you get a massive catastrophe as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, it's uh, the second containers that suffered the same problem. The second container of uh, Ocean Network Express. The other one was the one Aquila that reported a similar incident uh, earlier during this the same Trans-Pacific crossing, and 
you know, that, uh, that's strange to, to containers of the same company in a row with a huge amount of container losses. So I don't know, uh, there will be probably some surveyors that uh, will analyze uh, uh, why uh, this happened. And you know that it's pretty strange. I think uh, I, I think they are going, you know, to to strict and you know to make more accurate controls in the next times for the the company. Um, yeah, we were saying before that the Worshipping Council, the WSC, has released their 2020 update, and on average, 1,382 containers are lost at sea every year. So this just one shot. Six, more or less 600 more than the average container losses. Uh, yeah, but we can clearly see a downward trend in the 2017-2019 period with almost 780 containers, containers that were lost every year. Uh, yes, so theoretically the Worshipping Council, Council has suggested to uh, make basically three major actions uh, uh, from surveyors on port and the port state control. So they should frequently inspect the lashing uh, equipment uh, and sockets, and uh, they, they should reject damaged containers and observe steve doors routines to make sure that securing equipment is handled well and return to the vessel. And avoid using a mix of manual and semi-automatic twist locks and avoid storing left and right right hand twist locks together. So these are basically uh, what worshipping council is suggested to the port state control. So what would you suggest, you know, to 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 improve the standard of safety and the quality of the unloaded and uh, you know discharging phase uh, and to carry all the containers hopefully on the deck for all the all the journey. Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, di um, digitalization is going to offer um, a lot of opportunities in this section, isn't it? Um, live monitoring of the stability of the uh, of the cargo, um, along with whilst loading, being able to monitor um, and live track how how stable cargoes are, simply just how well how uh, stable the cargo is inside the container how well it's been it's been packed in um because we don't know we don't know what how well it's how well it's packed unless we open it um and that's an awful lot of containers to open isn't it so i think digitalization is going to offer a lot of opportunities there in terms of sensors in terms of monitoring of cargo but like you said it's generally the start here right now is down to um measures in place to make sure that um cargo a um the condition of the containers is inspected and there's better um precautions and measures taken to ensure that the way that cargo is loaded um and the way that those containers are then held in place and secured is sufficient to last the entire journey um mm -hmm. and maybe a step up in the kind of the minimum standard i'd like um personally i would like to see a, a step up again and say you know the minimum standard for fire safety the minimum standard for uh lashing uh blah 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 is increased by so much to make up for the added risk factor of larger vessels that needs to be done i think welcome to the ship in podcast guys so uh, as usual today i'm with george 
George, what's up? Hello, how are you? Fine, fine, you know, all the stuff, all the day at home. Like all the episodes, I say always the same stuff, but you know, yeah. it's actually what I do all the day, just studying and this morning get prepared for the for the episode. And uh, you know, and you, what are you doing? Um, yeah, I finished, well, we finished our last assignment, haven't we? For, for mm-hmm. the, for, well, not the last assignment, but you know, the mm-hmm. last of the first three. Um, I think I've got to pop down to my boat today and have a little bit of a check on it. Um, right. But other than that, not a lot. I'm doing some work on a. I've got an old um, an old lifeboat converted into a kind of like a day motorboat. It was mm-hmm. on an old uh, old Icelandic vessel, general mm-hmm. cargo ship uh, called Tungafoss, which sank off of uh, off of Land's End uh, back in the 80s, 1981, mm-hmm. and um, Basically, someone had bought the lifeboat that they used to get the guys off, and um, it got turned into a little fishing boat. And I got it as a little kind of day motorboat, which I'm kind of semi restoring, doing some work on. Mm-hmm. How many feet does it long? Uh, it's only about 19 feet. All right. Huh. It's kind of long. Yeah. So um, today we are going to talk about, you know, the uh, unfortunate ocean and network express uh container falls um actually i suffered its second container collapse in less than a month with a significant number of containers lost overboard uh, it was something like 1900 containers lost isn't it yeah it's a significant number isn't it significant it's the first time in the history with this huge amount of container lost uh, just in one journey you know so uh, the vessel was a route from China to Long Beach, so and uh, it encountered a storm cell producing gale force winds, and basically it lost uh, most of the cargo. Uh, sorry, most of the cargo, most of the containers lost uh, was in that uh, in that moment. Uh, yeah, because the 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 container ship swells a little bit, so and uh, roll heavily, causing the containers to dislodge and fall into the ocean. So, what do you think about this event, unfortunate event? Uh, what you, were you telling me just a minute ago that this is higher than the uh, than the average for the last five years in one yes. single? Much yeah. higher, just in one in one shot, you know. Yeah, this is this is. I think that really identifies the issue, there, isn't it? I think generally all around safety is getting better, and there's been significant improvements in operations and safety, mm-hmm. but. The, the you know the risk with a one one incident on a large larger vessel and you you get a massive you get a massive catastrophe as a result of it mm-hmm. yeah and I, it's uh the second containers that suffered the same problem the second container of uh, ocean network express the other one was the one aquila that reported a similar incident uh, earlier during this the same trans-pacific crossing and you know that uh, that's strange to to containers of the same company in a row with a huge amount of container losses. So I don't know. Uh, there will be probably some surveyors that uh, will analyze uh, uh, why uh, this happened, and you know that it's pretty strange. I think uh, I, I think they are going you know to to strict and you know, to make more accurate controls in the next times uh, for the, the company. Uh, 
Um, yeah, we were saying before that the Worshipping Council, the WSC, has released their 2020 update and on average 1,382 containers are lost at sea every year. So this just one shot, six more or less 600 more than the average container losses. Uh, yeah, but we can clearly see a downward trend in the 2017-2019 period with almost 780 containers containers that were lost every year. So yes, uh, I think this, you know, this fact, these events will increase the current average of container losses. Yeah, but I think this this wasn't one of the largest vessels of the year fleet. It was, uh, I, I just say just, but it's not just, of course, it's a huge, a huge container carrier, but it was just 14,000, so not 22, 23, like we can see, um, you know, CMA, uh, CGM vessels or uh, MSC, new MC container carriers that are more or less, I think, uh, 23,000 uh, TUs, always remaining in the uh, container market. Would you like to talk about the new second-end acquisitions of the Mediterranean Shipping Company, also known as SC? So they have purchased uh, 18 ships in the last four months for a total amount of, I think, 282 million and dollars. And they are trying, you know, to reduce the gap with the um, leader of the of the container market that is currently Maersk. And, uh, you know, since 2004, um, Maersk has always been the, the competitors, the leader of the container market. And the second one has always been Mediterranean Shipping Company, MC. So they are trying to reduce this gap. And I think in the next one, two, three years, they, they, they will catch them. So what do you think about that? Well, they've also put in, uh, they've also split six orders for 23,000 TEU uh, mm -hmm. vessels, but uh, for about $900 million uh, worth as well, um, between three different Chinese yards as well. So they've also, they've also gone on to, you know, larger vessels as well. So they are investing all round. I think they are, they're looking to expand quite a lot, aren't they? And that's, um, like you said, I think that's a sign of them chasing Maersk. Yeah, because Maersk is still 6% uh, larger, but that is expected to shrink to almost 4% based on the status of its order book in mid-November. So yes, 4% is not nothing, of course, because we are talking about uh, hundreds of thousands of, uh, you know, TU's uh, uh, capacity, fleet capacity. But, you know, uh, if uh, MC is going to, you know, to pursue, to to purchase new second-hand acquisition that are pretty low on the market right now, they are going to catch them up in less than one, two years. It depends, of course, what Maersk wants to do. If they, according to trade winds, uh, Maersk is pursuing a strategy focused on profitability rather than size. So, and trade winds also states that, but losing the number one ranking spot which the carriers had for a quarter of century would still likely have some emotional impact in Copenhagen. What do you think about this quote? Um, uh, yeah, emotional, yeah. I think there probably will be a, a business impact as well. Um, you have a... Being the largest, largest player, being the mm -hmm. industry leader, uh, gives you a lot of power. Um, yeah, for I, sure. Uh, Maersk is very good anyway, you know, they've got very good standards, um, you know, they're a good, reliable carrier, 
I like many others, um, but they are a good carrier, and I'm, they won't obviously lose that. Um, whether it's going to be difficult to play catch up later on, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, is it easier to invest now? Um, maybe not. Maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they've got a good strategy. Um, but there is a, you know, there's obviously a risk with having to play catch up later on, trying to um, invest in, you know, even just investing in uh, more, more modern vessels, mm-hmm. especially in that top bracket. Um, there, that's big, you know, like MSC having the nine, the deal for nine hundred million. Um, whilst they're actually conventionally fueled vessels for MSC, which are going to be fitted with scrubbers, they're still going to be more efficient. Um, so that's going to be a lot of money right there. That's a, I think they're paying 150 million per vessel. So mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of um, to have to play catch up with. However, if Merz, you know, uses their extra profitability not just to boost their stock value, but actually to you know improve the operations within the business, improve operational efficiencies, and reinvest that money into. Uh, newer vessels and updating fleet and making it um, more efficient so they've spent a lot of money on uh, end-to-end solution they're looking to be an end-to-end supplier for logistics and they spent a lot of money on digital solutions as well mm-hmm. to provide more transparency and i think that's something where msc could really do with taking a uh, and, and, and other carriers but msc would need to take a leaf out of their book i think to really remain the the best um, if they are to become the top, the best way to remain at the top is obviously to offer the best service to your customers. And you need to provide, tra- a lot of businesses want transparency now. And that mm-hmm. transparency in the, the, the whole way through the supply chain is key, especially in the technology sector, but it's ever increasingly across all major business sectors and shipping companies need to be able to adapt and supply that where so investing in new ships is great but you need to also invest in your technological infrastructure to support your your customer yeah i think they actually rely on ibm is an insight that is one of the best tech company in the world so i think their quality uh will improve in the next years i'm pretty sure and they are actually doing it right now so um yes so the, that's enough for today thank you very much george for your present we had good debate and you know, see you next time. Bye. Bye.